Welcome into another episode of our podcast, Weatherwise. We're so excited for another episode. Of course, we drop a new one every single Wednesday, and we are getting into the, actually, we are at the end of July. This will be officially our last July podcast. August starts this weekend, and we'll be doing more podcasts, uh, of course, uh, each week here. So today, I'm with Sloan Haynes, and of course, I'm meteorologist Daniel Johnson, so we are back together, united for another podcast. How are you doing, Sloan? I'm good, Daniel. How are you? Enjoying the hotter weather from this week? Well, enjoying, I'm not sure if that would be the word to describe it. (laughs) Um, I'm actually kind of getting over the heat. What about you? I know. I know I sent you an email the other day, and I said, I know I lived in Florida the past four years, but the heat is getting a little ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, it is, and a lot of people thought last summer was hot, and it was hot. Mm -hmm. Um, And just one little tidbit, I don't think I've even mentioned to you yet, um, but we actually have been tracking the 90-degree days compared to last year, and we actually officially just passed the amount of 90-degree days this summer compared to where we were at this point last summer. And wow. last summer was a record breaker in terms of the amount of 90 degree days. So we are like right on par. And if not, it's a even hotter summer. So, um, so we're going to have a record breaking summer in more ways than one as now we're setting records with the amount of named tropical cyclones this season. Exactly. I think I may have tricked everyone. They, they may have thought we were talking about heat again for another podcast, <laughs> but we're not. We're talking about the active tropics. And I know we've had past... Um, podcasts about the tropics, mm-hmm. but this season is definitely record-breaking so far, and mm-hmm. we have a lot to talk about in terms of the tropics, so we're going to jump right into it. We've had so many named storms already. Uh, we're getting know. you know, into the I name now, and the season, it's not even halfway over. Mm-hmm. And, and it was about two weeks ago, Daniel, that I did the podcast with Ulysses, and we were talking about the uh, aftermath of Fay on Delmarva, and since then we've had two named storms. Right. And, in the Atlantic. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we're going to go in order of, you know, when they formed, because we were tracking these just, you know, just several days ago. And mm-hmm. the National Hurricane Center was tweeting out, and we were tweeting and Facebooking and keeping everyone updated about the active tropics. And um, there's a storm out there now that we're going to talk about soon. But let's review the past couple of storms that formed. Um, The first one actually got the National Hurricane Center, was watching it, and they announced that they were going to start to likely issue advisories on this system. This was on July 21st, uh, out in the Atlantic. And then the very, actually that day, a few hours later, they named it, or they it became a tropical depression. So it was number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that formed again a few hours later on July 21st. And I tweeted out that it could become Gonzalo if the strengthening continues. And then the next day is when it actually yep. became Gonzalo out there. And on July 22nd, National Hurricane Center put out there that the tropical depression seven became tropical storm Gonzalo. And it was on track to be the first hurricane of the season, but unfortunately, other conditions got in the way that kept it as a storm. Right. Uh, We really thought it would be the first one because the forecast showed it strengthening, but then it just didn't reach the potential that we all thought could happen. Um, But it still brought winds and rain to the Windward Islands and parts of the Caribbean, 
So it still had effects even though it wasn't officially a hurricane, and it weakened shortly after, too. It passed over the Windward Islands. Yeah, it dissipated pretty quickly, and then our eyes quickly turned to another system, right? Mm-hmm. Tropical Storm Hannah shortly developed after, but it was a system that the National Hurricane Center, shortly after Gonzalo, they put out there, they were keeping an eye on a low-pressure system in the Gulf. Right. And that system actually strengthened pretty rapidly. It, it, mm -hmm. it didn't have a lot of room to work with because we were watching that low pressure uh, just south of um, Florida and over Cuba, kind of as a weak low pressure. It cont continued the drift northwest, and that's when it became Tropical Storm Hannah. And then it really strengthened as it reached those mm -hmm. warm Gulf waters right off the coast of Texas, right? Yep. It made landfall eventually as a Category 1 hurricane, but to do that, it had rapid intensification. It nearly doubled its speed to have winds of 90 miles per hour by the time it made landfall over Padre Island in Texas. Right. So the first hurricane of the season, but it took a while to get to that first hurricane. Mm -hmm. Like, we've had several storms so far, but yep. nothing has been strong enough until Hannah formed. And it the first hurricane, coincidentally, hits... The United States mm -hmm. and you know brings a lot of rainfall and and yeah. strong winds to Texas and even I saw reports of 15 inches of rain in parts of South Texas so it definitely mm -hmm. was a rainmaker yeah unbelievable and then it drifted into Mexico and affected Mexico mm -hmm. too um, when it comes to that rain uh, and I actually have a friend who actually I don't know if anyone's heard of him but we call him hurricane man his name is Josh Morgerman and he actually tweets all the time and, and documents his chases because he literally hunts down hurricanes and tries not to miss any hurricane out there. I mean, he goes all over the place. He travels the world. But right now, he's just doing United States uh, because of the COVID-19 outbreak. So mm -hmm. he's staying, staying local. But he tracked Hannah down, and he was tracking Hannah the entire weekend. And he was right there on the edge of the eye the whole time. He tried to make a decision whether he wanted to go in the eye wall itself or if he wanted to continue being in the action. So he decided to be along the eye wall um, and not completely go in the eye itself. Mm -hmm. So he really was, um, I guess, hit pretty hard when it came to the winds and the rain. But yeah, he was down there tracking Hannah and keeping meteorologists up to date with you know data that he was receiving from Hannah. Mm -hmm. And Hannah became a hurricane officially on the 25th of july and then mm -hmm. made landfall as you mentioned yeah so continuing to move through texas i know people there are still without power um i know a disaster declaration has been issued for 32 counties there so even a category one hurricane it doesn't matter the size of the storm or the intensity it can still cause a lot of damage as power lines are down trees are down and roads are still a little flooded out there so we're still seeing the effects days after it made landfall yeah, and I do want to mention how important it is, you know, to pay attention to these forecasts because Hannah mm -hmm. was named and then just hours later, or it became a hurricane, I should say, and then hours later made landfall. So some people may think because the initial forecast was it for it to just be a tropical storm at landfall. But, mm -hmm. you know, with that rapid strengthening and the warm waters, it strengthened quickly. So it's important to keep up to date with these forecasts because they do change and we mm -hmm. had the path out there. We had that cone of uncertainty. We had the forecast out there for a little bit. We gave warning, but it became a hurricane, you know, pretty quickly. Luckily, just a Category 1, but mm -hmm. it was on the higher end of Category 1. And yeah. um, 
Luckily, it didn't strengthen, you know, anymore because I guess if it strengthened a little bit quicker um, and formed a little bit farther away, it could have had time to strengthen into a stronger one. But now the remnants of Hannah are still moving across the North American continent. It is now in Mexico, continuing to move off in the westerly direction. Right. So now our eyes are turning towards another storm, right? Or another system, I should say. Yes. And it's been something we've been tracking and mm -hmm. been watching for a while. And we have an eye storm out there. <laughs> yes, we do. And it would be the earliest eye storm setting another record for this hurricane season since Hurricane Irene in 2005, I believe, formed um, about a week and a half later than now. Exactly, and it officially ties that year, 2005, mm -hmm. of the most tropical systems to develop in the Atlantic um, in July, the system in terms of storms that get a name. So, And I was reading, because, you know, a weather nerd, I was reading a few meteorologist articles out there, seeing what they've been saying about this hurricane season, and they were talking about how, you know, normally the ninth storm or the eye storm of the season is around September is when we could see that occurring. But that's just showing how active the hurricane season is and that we're seeing these storms develop much quicker. And the National Hurricane Center, when they put their outlook out, said that it was going to be a fairly active season. So they're on track as well with their forecast. Exactly. And, you know, some, I believe uh, it was Colorado uh, that came out and they, you know, they reissued another outlook and mm -hmm. just you know, upped yeah. their predictions. So there's a lot of, you know, predictions out there that are continuing to see this season as a very active one. So it's one that we had mm -hmm. to, to keep a close eye on. And I just wanted to know who wanted to say the I name first, you or me, who wants to pronounce it? <laughs> oh, Daniel, I think you should start. <laughs> <laughs> we so can yeah, do the... a Facebook poll after um, the podcast is out and see what people say who pronounced it better. Exactly. So the I name is Isaias. That wasn't bad. Isaias. There it's you go. It's not that bad. I know I said it on air the other day, and Dina looked at me, and she goes, what name did you just say? So I walked her through it, and now she knows how to say it, too. <laughs> right. It's Spanish for Isaiah, in case anyone mm -hmm. is interested. But, yeah, we have the I name storm out there, and it's forecast to affect Puerto Rico and parts of the yeah. islands. Um down there and then we'll see what happens after that because forecast models mm -hmm. are kind of all over the place in terms of how strong it's going to be um, yep. a lot of models are kind of keeping it weak for the most part mm -hmm. but we know we can be surprised right mm -hmm. we could be i know that tropical storm conditions are expected across the leeward islands the virgin islands and puerto rico wednesday through thursday and those tropical storm warnings are in effect and just to remind everybody, tropical storm warnings mean that tropical storm force winds are expected. And the National Hurricane Center has said that winds are a major concern with the storm as well as the rainfall. But not to trust the exact path yet because it can always change. Right, exactly. So when we put that cone of uncertainty out there, that just means within that cone, not just those little black dots you see mm -hmm. in the middle or the little red tropical icons that we use on mm -hmm. our graphics that doesn't mean that's going to be the exact path that that cone is there for a reason you know that storm can be anywhere within that cone so mm -hmm. that's why the cone of uncertainty gets a little bit bigger 
as we go out in time because yeah. the, the uncertainty increases. So that's but, what that cone And you is. can still feel the effects of that storm within that cone of uncertainty, right. whether it be those rain bands or the winds, you will get some sort of effect from it. Right. And also, I don't know if you saw it, Sloan, but there's another system behind Isaias um, mm -hmm. that we're keeping a close eye on as well. And um, right now, models are kind of keeping it at bay, not really having it strengthened too much. But we know things change so quickly yes. in the weather, and you know, weather department. We're seeing some more dust in the atmosphere around yeah. where Isaias is, which could hinder that development and hinder other storms from forming but it's still an active season and that's what we're trying to emphasize here is that we're seeing a lot more named storms this season. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're tracking systems in this region in July mm -hmm. uh, just goes to show that it is a very active season. We don't typically see development in this region. Um, you know, we have the Cape Verde season, the Cabo Verde mm -hmm. season. Um, we don't typically see them in this location as often this time of year. It's usually getting out into August, September. We see this, these storms mm -hmm. forming well out into the Atlantic. Um, but yeah, these are waves that have been coming off of Africa and, you know, heading into the Atlantic and, and beginning to form. So yeah. with that dry air out there, the Saharan dust, that's helping us out in terms of keeping a lot of these weak. Uh, mm -hmm. But we're going to keep watching over the next yes. few days and, and see where they go. I love hurricanes. I'm always tracking them. I get text alerts from the National Hurricane Center, you know, when they're issuing alerts for different regions in the Atlantic. So I love tracking these tropical systems. And something else to emphasize with us having an active season is that it's never too late to start preparing for a hurricane season here on Delmarva. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that because we forecast we forecasted a strong and active season, and that's what's happening so far. Granted, we've only had one hurricane, but it hit the United States. So what's the next one going to be? Could that hit mm -hmm. the United States as well? So we're in that active season. We want everyone to be prepared. I know one of our weather podcasts uh, months ago, I think it was back in May um, or April, we were talking about hurricane season coming up and that everyone needs to prepare and get ready because we are expecting an active season. So I'm just gonna go over a few more things that we talk about and that we mentioned in that podcast previously, but you need to determine your risk, right? Mm -hmm. You need to determine if your home is in an evacuation zone, if your home is in a flood prone area, or if it is prone to hurricanes. So of course, being on a peninsula, a lot of our homes mm -hmm. are, especially those right on the coast, right? So those are yeah. the ones most at risk. Storm surge is a huge risk with tropical systems, and that was the biggest threat with Hurricane Hannah making landfall in Padre Island is that, you know, the coastal area, storm surge caused a lot of flooding in that area, and they're still seeing the effects from it a few days after the storm passed. Right, and it, it's scary because a lot of people don't have any type of insurance to cover for, for, mm -hmm. for some of this damage. So make sure your insurance can cover things as well. Develop that evacuation plan. Make sure you have a plan with your family, friends. Um, mm -hmm. Assemble a disaster kit. So what are some things that we would want in a kit, right, to survive? Mm -hmm. Of course, important yeah. essentials here. Yes. 
I think a NOAA radio is a great investment so that if you do lose power and you can't charge your cell phone, you can still get all the updates with that storm. And that's also great to have when we have severe weather on the peninsula too, it's just investing in it, storing it in your hurricane preparedness plan, having those non-perishable food items. Water is essential, especially with how hot it has been outside. You want to have enough water for your whole family. Yeah, that's, you know, the most important water and food because, you know, as human beings, you really can't go more than three days mm -hmm. without water. So that yeah. won't go well. You need the water for sure. And uh, food you need as well. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. And batteries will help, flashlights, yeah. uh, something that can help you see if your power goes mm -hmm. out. Um, those are some important essentials that you, you would need. And, of course, if you need to evacuate, you know, strengthen your home. Do what you can to board up the windows. Uh, make sure you have a plan when it comes to that, too, because the winds mm -hmm. can do damage yeah. as well. I think making an emergency plan where you sit down your family and you let all of them know that this is what would happen if we were under this scenario, similar to what you would do when your kids are little and you're trying to plan. Um, if there's a fire in the house, what do you all do so that you all have different roles to prepare for a hurricane? Because it takes a team to make sure that everybody's doing okay and to have all the supplies you need. Right, and I remember back in 2003, and this was another I-name. So I-names have been proven to, you know, cause some problems, but Hurricane Isabel back in 2003, I remember, made landfall in North Carolina and then went all the way through into Virginia. And that impacted Delmarva, um, almost all of Virginia, even D.C., Maryland, and most of North Carolina, too. So we had to sleep in the basement. I remember we met up my family you know I was much younger I was only in I believe I was in ninth grade and I was tracking the storm you know every day and telling my parents you know we need a plan you know we're in central Virginia northern Virginia so usually hurricanes don't have a huge impact mm -hmm. um, but we knew that it would remain remain pretty strong even after landfall and we were going to be in the front right quadrant of the storm which is you know the strongest part so we had to sleep in the basement I remember we were all pretty nervous like we had trees knocked over luckily our house was fine but yeah even being pretty far inland you can mm -hmm. get damaged and yeah you know. that's how my family was with um hurricane sandy we were inland in south jersey and we were still facing huge impacts from the storm without power for over a week there was flooding in the area down power lines everywhere so no matter where you are even if you're very inland you can still be affected by a tropical cyclone Right. Absolutely. And it's not just the Atlantic, right? That's no, heating up. No, it's not. Um, Hurricane Douglas missed Hawaii but still impacted them these past couple of days. It was a major hurricane eventually, but then it began to weaken. And luckily, fortunately for the islands, they're much smaller than we are. The rain that was brought to them by this hurricane did bring them some flooding concerns, and it did flood a few of the rates. I know Kamehameha Highway did flood there. I saw videos of that. But they're also having an active season because the last hurricane to make landfall there, it has been decades since landfall has made there in 1959 and 1992 were the last two. This would have been the third. It was projected to make landfall, but luckily for the islands, it didn't. It just barely touched them. Yeah, and what's up with Hawaii? So I, I know I mentioned Josh Morgerman, who's the hurricane chaser. Uh, and, and friend of mine, he actually tweeted just the other day, he said, 
He's a comedian also, just to let you know. Uh, <laughs> well, he thinks he is. He tweeted, does someone spray Hawaii with hurricane repellent every year? <laughs> it's like, usually these storms fall apart or they turn at the last mm -hmm. second or they just miss the islands when yeah. it's forecast to actually hit the islands. So yep. it's pretty unbelievable. And he actually tweeted out, storms over the past several decades and you can see all the lines mm -hmm. in the pacific and how they've all just avoided hawaii for the most the part upper level ridging and wind shear has kept them safe from the storm that's pushed them all further north so that they're still getting the outer bands of the storm but they might be investing in some hurricane repellent we're gonna have to ask them where they buy it <laughs> yeah you had such a great scientific reasoning and i was gonna say so it's not hurricane repellent just one <laughs> Just wanted to double check. <laughs> no, it's not. Maybe they're just very lucky and hurricanes don't want to ruin paradise. Yeah, and there there is a scientific reason behind it. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to make sure, for any of those conspiracy theorists who are listening, the government is not spraying repellent or spraying anything <laughs> to control the weather, just to let you know. Anyway, now I probably started something. <laughs> started something that you I probably shouldn't have. started the Twitter have. war, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, right? So yeah, it's the Atlantic and the Pacific that mm -hmm. has been quite active, and we just have to keep watching the Atlantic for sure when it comes to the United States and the potential of any type of tropical system making landfall. So of course, Isa Ias is the one we're watching right now, mm -hmm. and then we'll keep going down the line from there because we could have more storms forming as we head into mm -hmm. August. Now, I know there's a lot of dry air out there um, that's hindering development, but we have a long season to go, right? Yeah, dry air doesn't last forever. No, it doesn't. So after the I name, we have the J name, which is Josephine, and then the K name, which is Kyle. And that's pretty much halfway through the alphabet. Mm -hmm. So do you think we're going to get into the... Emo uh, the um, get into the Greek alphabet again? I don't know. I would be very excited if we did. <laughs> I know, because last but time it happened... I think that's the meteorologist in me. <laughs> yeah, I know. The weather nerd in both of us. Um, <laughs> last time that happened was 2005, right? Which yes. was the year of Katrina. Mm -hmm. And that's and a lot of people are comparing this year to 2005. Now, we've yeah. already said we've broken a lot of records. We had the earliest G name, the earliest H name. And then you mentioned the I name just beat... Uh, you said, what was it, Irene? Irene, yep. Yep. Just beat Irene, and then it tied 2005 in terms of the most tropical storms formed in the month of July. So it is comparable to 2005. It doesn't mean we're going to have another Katrina like 2005. But it's possible, right? So yes, um, we just want to keep everyone prepared and make sure you guys are aware that this season is comparable to 2005 which was a very deadly and, and tough season uh, to deal with. And we're, we're going to be halfway through the alphabet before you know it. And then once we finish mm -hmm. the, the main alphabet, they have to go into the Greek alphabet. So Hurricane Omega, Hurricane Alpha, Beta, those norms. Those, yeah, those names could be forming later mm -hmm. this season if it's anything like 2005. Yeah. So. I think, you know, we just can't stress enough that it's never too early to start your hurricane preparedness plan, to know your evacuation zones. Having smartphones has made it so easy to get alerts sent to your phone for your area, too.
so you can always be informed. And of course, we're always tracking these tropical systems and keeping you up to date on TV and on our social media channels. Yes, download our 47 ABC weather app because we can send you emergency alerts whenever you need it, day and night, right? Yep. All right, I think that's it. Anything else you wanted to add or something we may have left out? I think we covered all the bases. We covered what's current, what's next, and how you can prepare for it. All right, I love it. Thanks for joining me again this week, Sloan, and thank you everyone for listening. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of WeatherWise.